American Reckoning really grew out of my relationship with John Lewis. It started off as wanting to make a story about this exchange that happened between Mr. Lewis and um, a guy named Elwin Wilson, who has now passed away, who was uh, um, a white supremacist who beat John up, beat Mr. Lewis up and other people during the Freedom Rides. And he came out years later as his health was failing. And before he died, he wanted forgiveness. And he asked John for forgiveness. And John granted that. Uh, and they appeared on CNN and Oprah and a couple of other places. And so I started thinking about, like, how can you make a film about forgiveness? Um, and I met with Mr. Lewis and uh, some other people in his office. And this one woman who worked for him said, because I said, I'm looking for a story, though. Like, what's the story? And she said, are you aware of our work to uh, try to get the Emmett Till Act? Well, they got the Emmett Till Act passed, but try to, try to use it to investigate unsolved civil rights era murders, and that there are hundreds of them. Um, and we're talking about only a generation or so ago. And these are murders that are unsolved because at the time, you could not convene a grand jury that would indict in the Deep South if the victim was black. It was just very rare. And the only ones that really have gone anywhere were Byron Della Beckwith, who murdered Megger Evers, um, and one other case. Um, but there are hundreds of unsolved murders. So that kind of led me on this investigation, and I discovered that there were journalists who had been working on this for a long time. Eventually, I got very interested in uh, Natchez, Mississippi, because there was a lot there. Uh, first of all, there was the story that we're telling of Worlis Jackson, whose father uh, was an NAACP officer. Um, he also got a job that many in the white community thought was a white job. Only a white person should get that promotion. So he became targeted, and the story is this man's father was riding home from work, and his car was bombed, and he was killed and in a very violent way that destroyed his body. And Warless Jr. was only eight years old, and he heard the explosion and rode his bike to only discover his dad all over the street. And it's heinous. And the whole community was a witness. And, yet, and the FBI did a huge investigation. And they knew who did it, but they could not get a grand jury to convene and to return an indictment. They could not get a grand jury to return an indictment. So here we are, there's this whole generation of people who've been lost and there's got, not gonna be any accountability or justice. So in that, so, so like the project started to go from this one thing between Mr. Lewis to this bigger thing that Mr. Lewis is involved with to then I started discovering that there were also these competing cultural narratives in Natchez, Mississippi. Like, it's a town that's dominated by the tourism industry, and people go there to visit antebellum homes and to, you know, be involved in this narrative, this culture of sort of the glory of the Old South, the plantation life. People buy and sell these antebellum homes, and they line up in droves, not just to visit the homes, but also for this annual performance that tells the story of the Civil War from a very distinct uh, white southern point of view and then you have someone like Worlist who kind of realizes well I'm not going to get my father back and I'm not going to get justice because the 
men who killed his father for the most part are all dead. Uh, but he and another person now are trying to build a counter-narrative to the dominant one in Natchez. And I think that's really interesting. And they're trying to turn his family home into a museum to not just his father, but the civil rights movement in Natchez. And when you start digging deeper, you find that there's this other counter-narrative going on, which is most of what we know about Mississippi is like the voter education project and Bob Moses going through the South and the registration that went on and, um, and the nonviolent demonstrations. But in Natchez, there was a group called the Deacons for Defense, which were armed and were fighting to stem the violence against black people in Natchez. Um, they were like the Black Panthers in some ways. And they were enforcing economic boycotts of white businesses that were successful. Um, but nobody knows that history. So what Wurlis is doing is kind of actually in a long line of black resistance that people don't know about. Um, so this is a project that's not made yet. So I'm still kind of figuring it out. I'm partnered with a longtime friend and producer named Yoruba Richin, who uh, made a film called Promised Land, another film called The New Black. And she and I are actually going down to Natchez and we're gonna tell the story. So. Yeah, we're working on it.